Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. World religions, as well as the ancient Greek philosophers, emphasize humanity's search to know God. Some emphasize searching God through intellect, awareness, study. Others have emphasized finding God through emotional experience, esoteric, mystical experiences. But the Bible shows us a different perspective of God. It reveals that God is the one searching for us and that we come to know him as he reveals himself to us, rather than us trying to figure out who God is, God is revealing himself to us in creation. He revealed himself in Christ, in the experiences of life. God is making himself known to us. And the only way to really grow in the knowledge of God is for God to reveal himself to us. And so you should always pray as I do, Lord, show me more of yourself. Help me to know you as you truly are, because only God can reveal himself. And one of the ways that God revealed himself in the Old Testament was by giving us his names. As we look at the Lord's Prayer, we're going to talk about the name of God. Now, Jesus teaches us in the beautiful Lord's Prayer to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. So here we have an understanding of the name of God, which reveals who God is. So the Lord's Prayer is teaching us how to properly think about God and how to approach God in prayer as our Father in heaven, knowing that everything on earth exists because of the God in heaven who created the universe. So he teaches us about true worship, honoring God, reverencing God, thinking correctly about God in this phrase, holy is your name. Well, what is the name of God? What does that mean, the name of the Lord? We read that so often in Scripture, the name of the Lord. Well, the first truth is that God's name reveals his nature. You know, there are times in the Old Testament when God changed a person's name, gave them a new name. Like Abram, he became Abraham, the father of all nations. Peter had a new name. Jesus called him Peter. He said, you were Simon, means a reed like a blade of grass, but I call you Peter, a rock. Jesus changed his name which emphasized that God was doing a new work in his nature, in his character. So the name of the Lord means the essence of who God is. And God at times would give some different names. And there are even times in the Old Testament where people ascribed a name to God out of their experience because they came to know him in a different way. So the name of the Lord, when you read that phrase in the Bible, the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord refers to the full attributes of God, of his character and his works, his love, his nurture, his forgiveness, his grace, his power, his omnipotence, all these amazing attributes of God. The name of God sums up the essence of who God is, his character, his nature, and the way that he works and is active in our lives. The psalmist exalted the name of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name, Psalm 103, verse 1. One of my favorite Psalms of David's. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And so the name is reflective of who he is as the Lord. 
In Proverbs 18.10, we read, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and those who run to it are safe. In other words, who God is and his nature and his mercy and his power and his provision, run to God and find safety. So the name of the Lord there again is a kind of a synonym, a phrase that embraces all that God is. Finally, we call on the name of the Lord, and that means to put our faith in the fullness of his divine nature, put our faith in who he is, his power, his provision, his faithfulness, his mercy. We use that phrase, I will call on the name of the Lord. David said that in Psalm 18, 3, I will call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. So we'll read that phrase often in the Bible, let's call on the name of the Lord, let's call on who he is, let's call on his love his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. So the name of the Lord, the phrase, the name of the Lord, refers to all that God is. And Jesus teaches us to pray, holy is your name. The name of the Lord, it should be reverenced and honored. Now in the Old Testament Hebrew language, there are several different names that are applied to God. And sometimes God gave this name. And there are Sometimes when people ascribed a name to the Lord to celebrate how he had worked in their lives, and that name kind of embodied their experience of God. Now, the most predominant name in the Bible, in the Old Testament for God is Elohim. In the beginning, God, Elohim. So this means the creator. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. In Hebrew, it could be translated the faithful one who pledges himself on oath to his people. So Elohim is the predominant name of God. Adonai is another Hebrew word that appears. That means Lord, master, ruler. So God is Adonai. God is Lord. God is the king of the universe. God is the one who has all the power. You know, a king in a kingdom has all the power. That's what that means. He's omnipotent. He reigns. We're not in control. God is in control. Adonai, the Lord. He's called El Olam in the Psalms, the everlasting God. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalm 90, verse 2, Moses sings and prays to God. And that little word El, E-L, is the root of the Hebrew word God. That is the, the most basic actual word of God, Elohim, is El, El Olam, the everlasting God. If you see a a name of a town or a person in the Old Testament that ends with E-L, like Bethel. There's that E-L. There's the God Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. El Olam, the everlasting God. He's called El Shaddai quite often in the Bible. This means the all-sufficient one, the one who provides everything. It can also be translated the God of the mountain. Remember, it was on the mountain Moriah where God provided for Abraham and Isaac. He's the all-sufficient God. He's called El Roy. That was Hagar, the servant of Abraham and Sarah when she was in the desert alone and thought that she was going to die with her son Ishmael in the heat of the desert. And the Lord suddenly brought her to an oasis and she heard the voice of the Lord and the angel visited her and she named him El Roi, the God who sees me. She felt that nobody saw her. She was left. She was in a desert by herself, thought that she and her son would die. But there God came to her and spoke to her. She gave him that name, El Roi. You are the God who sees me. Today, if you feel abandoned, you feel lonely, you feel left out, you may be in a desert, but no, God sees you. God has a word for you. And the greatest name of God in the Old Testament is Jehovah. 
you could pronounce it Yahweh. It means the eternal one who makes himself known. It means the self-existent one. You see, God doesn't need anything to exist. We need air and oxygen and food and water and each other. We need all kinds of things to exist. We're very dependent, but God is Jehovah. He is self-existent within himself. All of life emanates from his divinity. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. God doesn't need anything in creation to exist because he created all things. So it's just Jehovah. The, and he reveals himself. He's eternal. He never ends. He has no beginning of days or end of days. But he's also God who makes himself known. That's what Jehovah means. It can also mean he's the faithful. And this is often used in terms of his covenants in the Bible. We're going to talk some more about that when he makes a covenant and he swears on oath by his own name. That's Yahweh or Jehovah. So let's talk about that great name because it appears about 6,800 times in the Old Testament. This is the predominant name of God. This is the covenant name. This is the sacred name. This is the name that the Hebrew authors of the Bible and the copyists felt was so sacred they would never write it out. They abbreviated. Y-W-H-W, we call it the Tetragrammaton, the abbreviation of this sacred name because they never wanted to take the Lord's name in vain, so they never wrote it out. Well, this name, Jehovah, what does it mean? Where did it come from? Well, God gave the name Jehovah to Moses when he called him to bring the people of God out of Egypt. That's when this name was given by God to Moses. And he wanted Moses to give this name to the Israelites so that they would understand who he is in relationship to them. We find where this name came from here in Exodus chapter six. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. There's Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. There's El Shaddai. But by my name, the Lord, that's Jehovah. I did not make myself fully known to them. He, they knew him, but notice that God is making himself known. I did not make myself fully known to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and the patriarch. Now watch what God says in this covenant language. I also established my covenant of them to give them the land of Canaan. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. Now, he's giving this name, Jehovah, to the people of God from this point on. This is how they're going to know him and their experience of the Exodus, parting the Red Sea, manna from heaven, the giving of the law. They're going to come to know God as a covenant God in their life. He says, I am the Lord. Now, I want you to notice this phrase when we read this together. Notice God says, I will, I will. Notice how many times that appears because that's what the name of Jehovah is about. It's when God makes an oath, makes a covenant with us. He says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with a mighty, with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land. I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Now, let me pause right there. See that phrase, uplifted hand? Remember later, Moses in a battle would lift his hands up. We lift our hands in worship. The uplifted hand is a sign of making an oath of faithfulness. And when we lift our hands in worship, we are pledging ourselves to be faithful to God. Many people don't understand 
the significance of lifting hands in worship. We kind of do it without even knowing what it means, and it can be an open, nice expression, but it's more than that. So God says, I swore with an uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And he says, I will, notice that phrase, I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. There's Jehovah, the covenant name of God. Look what he says he will do for his people. I'll bring you out. I'll bring you into the land. I'll set you free. I'll keep my covenant. I will, I will, I will. Notice that it's not a contract. God never says, you'll do this. I'm going to guarantee you to do anything. That's not what a covenant is. Covenant is God's promise to do certain things that we receive by faith. Well, that's the essence of Jehovah, the God of the covenant, who swears by the oath of his own name to fulfill his promises in our lives. So this name Jehovah is used in different ways in some beautiful Old Testament stories that help us understand who God is so that when we pray, holy is your name, we know what the name of the Lord is, what it means to us. We're understanding all that God is. These names reveal who God is. And we're saying, holy Lord is your name. Holy is your character. Holy are your judgments. Holy is your love. That's what this phrase, holy is your name means. So he's called Jehovah and then other names are added to it in people's experience of Jehovah. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Genesis 22 and 14. He's called Jehovah Nissi in Hebrew, which means our banner, like a flag of victory in Exodus 17, 15. That's when they won that great battle against the Amalekites who attacked them when they first came out of the Egyptian bondage and they didn't know how to fight. That's when Moses was on the mountain with his hands lifted and Aaron and her held up his hands in prayer, just intercession. And God gave them victory. So they named that place and that experience, God is Jehovah Nissi, our banner. You know, oftentimes when battles are won, a country will establish its flag. We see images, especially of World War II, where the American flag was raised in a place of victory. That's what that Jehovah Nissi means, that God will give us victory in our battles. He's called Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. In Exodus 15, 26, I am the God who heals you, God says, and that is his name. I am Jehovah Rapha. God gave us that name so that we could face all of our sicknesses and diseases and trust him as our healer. David called him Jehovah Rophi, the Lord our shepherd. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. David gave him that name because he was a shepherd himself. And he saw in the way that he cared for the sheep and he, the way that sheep acted, he saw an analogy of our relationship to God. So he called God Jehovah Rophi, the Lord, our shepherd. He's called Jehovah Shalom. That's the Hebrew word for peace. The Lord, our peace. Judges chapter 6, verse 24. Gideon, the great judge of Israel, ascribes that name to the Lord when God blessed them with victory and gave them peace from the attacks of their enemies. In Ezekiel 48, 35, he's called Jehovah Shammah. means present, the presence of the Lord. The Lord is present with us. He had a vision of the temple of God and the glory of God in the temple. And he reminded us that God is always with us. And Jeremiah 23 and 6 calls him Jehovah Sidkenu, which means the Lord, our righteousness. That's the whole gospel of Christ, isn't it? That God will make us righteous and forgive us of our sins. Romans 5 and 1, therefore being justified, that means made righteous through faith. We have peace with God the Lord Jesus Christ. So these incredible names of God given in the Old Testament tell us who God is in his nature, in his works. And so when we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, holy is your name. What we're doing is we're praising God for who he is and all that he does in our lives. 
And the names of God are all summed up in the name above all names, the name that God gave to Jesus, his son, when he came into this world, the name of Jesus. So the names of God all reach their fulfillment. Jesus really fulfills all those names because he is the son of God. Jesus is the name above all names. Think of all the names of people throughout history. Think of all the names of great men and women. Jesus' name is above higher, greater, more powerful, more significant than Muhammad or Buddha or any religious figure, any president, any king. His name is above every name, is the highest authority. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, therefore God has highly exalted him and has given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so that's why as Christians, we honor and reverence the name of Jesus, the name of the Son of God given to us as our Savior. And it's interesting that Jesus said, as we go out into the world and we minister to others, that we should do everything in his name. And that means for his honor and for his glory and representing him. In Luke 24, 47, he said that we should go and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name, because we don't have the power to forgive people's sins, but we can tell them in Jesus' name, you're forgiven. In Acts 2 and 38, Peter told the crowd, be baptized in the name of Jesus, in the authority of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. The disciples came back to Jesus one day and realized that they had been given great power. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17, they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And even in the name of Jesus, we can drive out evil presence and evil works. Jesus taught us to pray in his name, in his authority, in his priesthood, in his atonement, in his saving grace. In John chapter 16, verse 24, he told the disciples before we went to the cross, up until now, you've asked me for nothing. Ask and you will receive in my name, whatever you ask for. We're to live in his name in Colossians 3 and 17. Paul tells us that whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God in the name of Jesus, to live in his name. And we're to minister to the sick in the name of Jesus. James 5 and 14 says that the prayer of faith will save the sick. To anoint the sick with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick. What great significance to every phrase of the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, God is our Father. We are his children. Holy is your name. Lord, we reverence and we praise and exalt your love, your mercy, your power, your grace, all that you are all that you have done in our lives. And as Christians, we boldly confess Jesus is Lord. If you've not accepted Christ, your Savior, make that confession today. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And as you have the opportunity to minister to others, you go in Jesus' name, pray for them in Jesus' name, share the gospel in Jesus' name, encourage them in Jesus' name. Let's join together for prayer. Father, we do praise you. We bless you today and we from our hearts, say, holy is your name. We honor and we reverence who you are, your presence, your power, your wonders of grace in our lives. Bless your people mightily today, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending this time in the word of God. I commend you for growing in grace. And I know that you're sharing these teachings with others to help them in their walk with God as well. Do me a favor. And I want you today, if you've not done so already, I want you to follow me on social media and follow Mount Perrin. Let's get connected through social media. We stay in touch as the family of God that way. We stay in touch as a church family. 
You can also see many exciting things that we are investing in as a church to help so many people around the world. So you'll see personal messages I'll send out and tell you things about Barbie and me and what we're doing. So subscribe and follow us on social media today. And I want to thank you for your faithful support of the ministry, your generous giving, and your participation and service in the life of the church so that we can give the world hope in Christ. And I trust you have an incredible day. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.